Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. I'd heard about Derek Poupard, farrier at Godolphin Racing in Dubai as well as Newmarket UK, for quite some time. At first, I saw an article about a farrier that was training racehorses barefoot and it caught my eye. The more I listened to some of Derek's interviews and read more into what he did, I was intrigued by his way of casting horses' feet and his work with composite shoes and 3D printing. Someone in one of my Facebook groups mentioned that she could connect us, and I couldn't miss the opportunity to talk to him about how he approaches his work with racehorses around the world. So as I said in my email, obviously I've listened to a lot of your interviews and one of your recent podcast episodes with Simon Curtis. And so I know that you've said your story a million times and I don't want to make you repeat all of that, but I would love to pick your brain a little bit more on the barefoot side of things specifically and talk a little bit about your 3D printing. Yep, absolutely. Okay, great. So how did you get interested in keeping horses barefoot? From 14 years old, I've been trimming horses. So, you know, my fundamentally, my first job was to trim them. And I had my own horses that I trimmed myself and I rode them. And then, unfortunately, you know, environment, you know, the minute you start riding a horse on a tar road or a tarmac road, it starts wearing its feet out. And then that's when the carrier has to get involved. So it's always been environment with me. And then, you know, I've been doing race horses my whole life. I've done show jumpers and hunters and you know, around the world, I've worked in about four different countries now, and it's all the same. You know, we are totally, totally controlled by the environment that we're in. So with me now going, I work for a company called Godolphin, and uh, we spend probably eight months of the year here in the UK training in a very, very abrasive environment. So the horses have to be shot. But then I take them out to Dubai for about five months each year, and, and there we're in the desert, and there's no tarmac whatsoever. And I thought, you know, this is the perfect opportunity for me to start implementing a barefoot regime into them. And, um, oh, it's been amazing. It really has. It's changed my life. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously I know that you've said that you think in a lot of the cases that there's a lot of positive changes you see in the feet when you do this. And what kind of things are you observing? Well, you know, there's a lot of things that, that occur when, when the horse has got shoes on. You know, the peripheral load for a start, you know, it definitely weakens the actual hoof wall itself. You know, and it, I think it thins it out to a certain degree, and especially on these, these thoroughbred racehorses who have got, you know, quite refined feet to start with, and they've got long pastures, and they try to get a bit underrun, you know, because of the conformation they've got. But I found the minute these horses, I took their shoes off and got them barefoot, man, they changed completely. The foot changed. In my opinion, the horse's attitude changed, and they all seemed to go, well, get better, because our strike rate in Dubai is actually quite phenomenal. And, you know, and our win ratio. So I think it has helped that. And are any of these horses started barefoot or are they all shod when they're training? No, the regime that we have here, so we, we are keeping more horses barefoot as long as we possibly can, you know, when they first start out. You know, it all depends on where they are in their program. But, you know, the minute they actually come to our racing stable, we've probably got about a two and a half kilometer tarmac walk to the track. So abrasion takes over and we have to, we have to put shoes on. Because if we don't, you know, they'll go down to there quick. So unfortunately, that's the biggest thing that we've got. Um, so the longer we can keep them barefoot, the better. But the minute we start getting the excess wear, you know, and that's the reason horseshoes were invented, you know, for excess wear. 
So environment controls all, in my opinion. When transitioning horses to barefoot, I have owners incorporate some diet changes for healthier hoof wall and growth and often have them in boots and pads for a time or even in casts to protect their feet until they get stronger and more conditioned. I was interested to hear that Derek does similar with his horses. Yeah. Do you make any trim changes when you know you're going to be keeping them barefoot? You know, I don't use any sort of special trim. Uh, you know, I know there's a whole bunch out there. You know, all I'm doing is I like to just round the hoof wall out. I leave what's in the foot. I think that's the most important thing. If I can't grab it and it's not loose to come out, it does not come out. So I don't knife the frog. I don't knife the sole at all. When it's ready to come out, you know, it'll basically flake out with a hoof pick, basically. So I think that's very, very important to keep that. But horses, when you first take their shoes off, you know, they do feel it. I think, A, they're getting feeling back on their feet, but, you know, they're so used to having probably a, a deadened uh, feeling in their feet with shoes on. The minute you take the shoes off, I think we do have a bit of a transition, that initial transition that they start feeling. And uh, I think it's very important. So, no, trimming-wise, all I do is round that hoof ball off, and I'll basically do that probably every couple of days because when you first take the shoes off, the nail holes, will always create little ragged edges that you've got. So you need to keep ahead of that if you can. And when you're transitioning horses to barefoot, I know that you've already talked about the environment that they live on. So you're obviously paying attention to what kind of surfaces they're on. And does anything else change in terms of their diet or their management? I would say management, yes, because, you know, we have to make sure that they don't go on in the braced surface. You have to make sure that, you know, if I do have a horse with a slight problem, I'll cast them. I'll put a hoof cast on them just, just to strengthen that wall, just for that transition period they go through. Because some of them, you know, especially these thin walled racehorses that have been in shoes for a couple of years, you know, you take their shoes off straight away, they will start, you know, they'll start walking quite tentatively. So we have to get their confidence back. And by putting a cast on, at least you can give them a bit of a hoof wall to stand on. Um, so that would be the only thing that I would worry about is, is to make sure that they, they don't feel too much pain when we first take the shoes off. So I, you know, I've, I've transitioned a, a handful of horses, not, not as many as you have, uh, I'm sure, a handful of uh, thoroughbreds to barefoot. And I find that mineral balancing helps a lot with them getting a, a better hoof wall quality. Do you do anything with that, like diet changes or things like that? I do. Listen, now, if... On my, on my horses that I know have got a weak hoof wall or a, or, or a compromised hoof wall, I do put them on a foot supplement. I do find that does make a big difference, eh? I really do. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say, yeah, but I, I wouldn't say it's on every horse. You know, you know, we, I've, I've got 250 horses um, that, are, that are under my care. We, you know, we've got probably 20 of those are, are high-profile horses that we know are going to do very, very well. So we do end up concentrating more on the high-profile horses. So we will have them on the supplements and really probably pay a bit more attention to them. Derek had already spent quite a bit of time chatting with me about environment and how these hard-working horses, when on abrasive surfaces, were wearing their feet down faster than they could grow. We talked about how we look at each situation and decide what's best for the horse, which led into a bit of a discussion on what that might look like in the future. You know, I also do glue-on composite shoes, and I do a lot of casting. I just don't work with metal, but I do, you know, I have probably 10% of the horses I see are in some kind of shoe package. They're just glue-on composites. And I think, you know, that's pretty much the future of horseshoeing is going to be exactly what you described. I personally do think that because, you know, we the more I've been into it, and I've been shooting 
half both my losses for a long time now. And, and the more I've been into it, the more I realise that you know we can do more for these horses to make them better. And I and I think you know the biggest thing is get away from the peripheral loading, try and um, and try and help them as much as we can. Yeah. And I think what you do and what you're doing is is, is actually helping. Right. So have you been able to see horses uh, train barefoot versus shod? Do you have a comparison on some of those? Have you seen any differences in things like recovery rates or injury or race time? Well, let me, let me put it this way. So I were, I've been working in Dubai now for 10 years, going with the stable back and forth to Newmarket. For the first four years, the horses were shot because that's what the history of the company of 20 years, that's what they did. And then I, I started implementing the barefoot dressing. So in the beginning, horses used to get sore feet. They used to get stone bruises. They used to get uh, corns. And then the minute we transitioned them to barefoot, listen, we still had foot problems. If a horse stepped on a stone, he'd get a stone bruise. But the recovery rate was probably 20% less. That's what I found incredible is that the minute you took shoes off a horse, and it had a foot problem. Man, its recovery rate was incredibly fast, you know. And so it, it got back to its, its full work potential a lot quicker than when you had shoes on it. So I would say yes, as far as that's concerned. Now you can imagine now I've had I've got these horses out on a wet grass track, dewy grass track in Dubai. You wouldn't think so, but and when I first had them barefoot, the same jockeys who had ridden them the previous year with shoes on were really concerned about the horse's traction without shoes on. But the minute they rode them and they could actually feel the horses that can actually feel their, their way around the, the track a lot more in my opinion. And I had no issues with that whatsoever. And we've got a quite, pretty tight track that these horses were going at a very, very high rate of speed and, and they did not have any traction problems whatsoever. So yeah, I did see that. And then and then my foot my foot injuries were, were very, very short term if I had any at all. So yeah, I just think it made a huge difference in my life. That's really interesting. And you know, have you experimented too with you know barefoot versus composites and and metal? I have. <laughs> I used to specialize. I used to specialize in glue on shoeing. If you, if you, I, I don't know if you've seen former hoof, but you know. yes, yes. I I, um, I heard you talking to Simon Curse about how you you basically developed that, right? I I, I did. So you know, I've, I've I've done a lot of composite composite stuff, and and I did develop that for racehorses. Um, you know, unfortunately, I found it a bit rigid for them. You know, I think it's a, I still think it's a great concept. But no, I have done a lot of composites. I've, I've invented a lot of different, you have no idea how many prototypes and trial shoes I've actually tried out there. I had a horse actually race last year in Dubai on a composite shoe that was cast on. So no nails whatsoever. That's a project I was working on, but that didn't work out because same thing again. I bought the shoe to Newmarket, and um, it wore the shoe out, a composite horseshoe. It wore the shoe out in three days. Wow. You know, so, so unfortunately, that's why horses have steel shoes on, is it purely to stop them from wearing. Yeah, right. That makes sense. And I have seen a bit about Alex. Alex Ridgeway. That's yes. correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. He's done some videos, like, showing your casting, um, which I find super fascinating because I've, I've done casting, although – when I do it, I usually do it for for rehab, like horses that are having hoof issues. But you've done it for you said you've done it for racing, right? Oh goodness me, I, I wouldn't have got some some of the best racehorse, some of the best racers I've done the last two years wouldn't have got to where they were without the hoof cast. So if you've got a compromised hoof ball and you can't get nails on, remember, 
In the past, we used to just glue the shoes on, and I could do a direct gluing to the horse's foot. But if you take a direct glue and, and you put on a foot, and after two weeks the shoe wears out, and you have to do a direct glue again, you end up with a stump that you're working with. Because now every time you take the glue off, you've got to dress the foot back slightly. So you do that three or four times, and you're going to end up with a pointy, spike-shaped foot. <laughs> so I found that my hoof casting, I could get five or six shoeings out of one hoof casting to the horse's foot. Very important though, all I was doing is reinforcing the hoof wall itself. It was not a closed cast, the sole was open. All I was doing is creating a thicker hoof wall. And by creating that thicker hoof wall, I could nail to it, I could take the shoe off, I could nail back to it again. And, and that's what, it really has changed the horse's foot. It, it, it's been incredible. And did you say that you have your own casting material? I do, yeah. But it's called Hoofcast. And brilliantly enough, um, SPD, a farrier product distributors in America, have just signed me up um, and will be distributing Hoofcast around every farrier shop in America. I think their first order gets to them next week. Oh, that's great. And it's it's available elsewhere in the world too? Is it just now coming to the States? Oh, no. It's, it's, been, it's been in Europe. I'm, I'm, I'm probably selling about a thousand units a month. Um, I'm in Europe, the UK, uh, Australia, Dubai, Bahrain. I'm actually even in Hong Kong and Singapore. So yeah, I've basically got the whole world covered right now. That's awesome. And is it a, a polyfiber type cast or is it fiberglass? It, it's a fiberglass. You know, I, I know roof casting has been around for 30 years, if not more. But what I found is they found a more refined fiberglass that, that, that set up a lot quicker. So when it's on the horse's foot, it doesn't look as bulky. And I think by the method I apply the cast, you know, I want to make the cast look like an extension of the foot and not like it's got, you know, it's got a cast on it. So when I've got a hoop cast on a horse, I like to first look at it and go, hang on, there's nothing on that foot. You know, so that, that's the way I like to look at it. And one thing that I, I still need to get better about, which I really like that I saw Alex doing that video, is cut out the frog area of the cast. Because I find that that's something that worries me about casting is, is casting over the frog and constricting that heel. But I like that he cut it out and, and the cast obviously stays on that way. Absolutely. So what we're doing is we're actually putting a very, very thin layer of glue around the hoof wall and it's slightly more to heels because those are your anchor points. So once you've got the cast on and it's set, you have to cut the heel out so the horse's foot functions like it would as a barefoot. Very, very important. And also, if you don't do that, you're going to start cutting into the heel bulb because the edge of a cast is pretty sharp. So yeah, very important that you cut those heels out to let the foot function. Unless you put a full cast on but with like a pad underneath, then you can still open the heels up, but you will have a full, like a bridge across at the back. But uh, no, it's very, very important. No one must ever put a cast on a horse and expect it to perform without the frog cut out. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I mean, it, it, it's hard enough where I would worry about it over time, just contracting the heels. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, we need it to function. All I'm using a cast for is to, is, is to basically thicken up the hoof wall to nail to. That's probably the best way of describing that. Yeah. And I did skip around a little bit, so I would love to go back and ask the question I meant to ask before all about your casting. Um, so obviously, you know, racehorses have to be started so young, which, you know, that's just the industry. So have you seen any lasting effects on them being started young and the development of their feet? 
absolutely. <laughs> There's absolutely no doubt about that. Because remember now, you know, the horse that's come in is probably at 18 months old, eight, between 18 months and two years old. So you can imagine now, I mean, they need growth plates haven't closed yet. So, you know, the rest of the body's got a long way to go. And if they've got, you know, in my opinion, if they've got a long pastern, and a lot of the race horses have got a long pastern, if they've got a slightly offset pastern as well, is that we will see, the minute you put a shoe on there, you will start seeing a degradation in that hoof wall every single time. Don't don't say it's not going to happen, because it's got. if you peripheral load a, a racehorse, it is going to degrade the internal structures of the foot from the day you put a shoe on. You know, unfortunately, you know, history dictates that we do this. But my mission in my life is to stop us from, from peripheral loading horses. Um, that's something I, I'm determined to stop us from doing. Yeah. And in order to, to change that, do you do anything with like wider web shoes or do you just try to keep them barefoot as much as possible? Well... If you can keep them barefoot as much as possible, yes. And I, another thing I've been working on right now is I, um, the 3D printing is, uh, that I've got into um, is, is I'm trying to emulate a barefoot with a shoe on. And I've seen some huge results on that. Um, I think that really is going to take off so much so that I, you know, I've got horses, very, very good race horses in my stable now that are wearing this lightweight pair that emulates a barefoot. And is this, you know, any kind of 3D printer could print one of these pads or does it have to be a, a specific kind? Most 3D printers can do it as long as they, they can get up to um, the temperature. I think it's 260 degrees temperature they can get up to. And the filament that we use, it's a, it's a nylon carbon fiber filament because I've tried every other filament that cannot stand up to the pressures involved. And, uh, and when you use a nylon carbon fiber, you have to have a hardened nozzle. It's not the cheap printer that you can have. You know, it's probably the $1,000 printer um, that can do that. But really, to me, it's a game changer in my opinion because, you know, I've only been into this for a year now. And the results and what I've been able to achieve in the last year has actually shocked myself, you know, let alone the, the horses and the, and, and the people that I've got involved with. So it's very exciting. So can you tell us a little bit about what you mean by the 3D printing in terms of, you know, your 3D printing pads and what are you doing with those that is changing you know, how you're applying the shoes to the horses. Right. So, so basically, you know, I've got a, a CAD, a computer aided design program that I use on an iPad and we, and I can design anything on that. So what I've done is I've taken basically the horse's frog, lifted it up out of a pad so that when I put a shoe onto it, the frog is taking the pressure the same way as it would when it's a barefoot. But it's been an evolution, you know, from where it started to where it is now because everything's becoming more and more refined. And the fact that we can design something, I can design something on my iPad today, put it on my printer tonight and have it on a horse tomorrow morning. So from design to application is less than 12 hours or 24 hours where in the past, you know, if you wanted to design something and get it made, it would take months and months and months. So I've been through probably 500 prototypes in the last year because I've designed it, printed it, put it on, didn't like it, designed it, printed it, until I've got you something that, that's functional. And I think function is probably the biggest thing is that the forces that are this new pair that, that I've got designed is giving the same forces as a barefoot foot would. And I'm seeing the same results in the foot structure with the shoeing with this pad on. Wow, that's really cool. I, I'm really interested to see how that all works out. And it sounds like you're having really good success with it. 
Yeah, I know it's exciting because you know, uh, I'm just this is just the tip of the iceberg in my opinion because you know when I'm going off to Dubai in, in a month's time and I'm going to spend three months there developing basically a barefoot um, a cast on barefoot application so that you can it'll be a composite that you can actually just cast on your horse's foot and it'll function exactly the same as it would barefoot but you could ride on a, on a tar road on a rocky road and and it'll basically be a permanent boot, basically, so to say. So I think that's going to be something that's going to be really exciting to work on. And will this be something that you'll end up distributing the same way as the Hoofcast? Absolutely. Yeah, I've got six printers going right now that are, are, I'm busy supplying um, just the local people. You know, I'm distributing in, in New Zealand, America. I've got a handful of people and I've got them. And unfortunately, I can't keep up with demand at the moment. But uh, that's something I can scale up as I need to. And actually, that leads perfectly into my next question, because I was going to ask you, you know, has the way that you've been working and keeping your horses influenced others in your field? But it sounds like other people are, are you know, following what you're doing. Oh, it's incredible. Hey, it really, I mean, the barefooting, you know, most of the top trainers in, in Newmarket now and, and around the world have decided that this is the way forward. If you've got a foot problem, take its shoes off, make it barefoot and, and, and let it re- rehabilitate itself. In the same respect, though, all the youngsters are, are coming in and are staying barefoot and are only getting shod when they have to be shod. I think that's the key here. When you have to shoe, you have to shoe. So what I want to go in the future is that when you have to shoe, let's shoe with a pad on that's going to emulate a barefoot. Um, so my goal in the next, you know, in the next couple of years is to have the majority of racehorses wearing a pad that's going to emulate a barefoot because it's going to make sounder horses. It's going to make better horses, and I think it's going to change the game. In my opinion. So do you think then that some of the stereotypes we have about thoroughbred feet aren't necessarily true? Do you think it's the way they're shod, or do you think they truly do have weaker feet? No, I think they've been bred. You know, when you think about the average racehorse, I think it's been interbred 13 times through its history. So I do think that it's refined. I think the hoof ball is thinner. I think that because we've been shooting them for such a long time so early, we do inherently have problems based on that. But I can honestly say that I've taken horses with feet that I've thought were beyond repair or beyond control. And the minute I have done a barefoot or barefooted them or padded them like a barefoot, man, I've seen horses turn around in, in, in a very, very short amount of time. It, so much so, it's actually shocked me. You know, I, I've gone, hang on there's something in this because the whole foot changes you know everything about the foot changes the, the frog the sole the, the the walls you know collapsed walls that you'd have before the minute you stop peripheral loading them or putting weight on the on just the wall itself you know they change very very quickly and uh, you know i think it's very exciting for us for the future and so when these horses retire off the track, do the new homes ever keep doing the same kind of hoof care approach or is it usually just whatever they decide after that? Oh, it's whatever they decide after that. Unfortunately, when they leave us, you know, we, we've got so many horses to, that, that are in our system that the minute they leave us, we actually don't have much, you know, much to do with them. Right. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately yeah. but I must have that with social media now. I think a lot of horse owners are becoming more aware of, of what we can do to help the horses. And I think it's making a huge difference as well. Yeah. I think social media is going to help change this game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of my last questions to wrap up is, do you have any advice for farriers or even horse owners that might be struggling with a tough hoof care case that has pathology or soundness issues? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, my go-to right now, listen, if I've got a horse that comes to me that's absolutely shattered, the first thing I'll do is be, hey, reinforce the hoof roll with a hoof cast. You, know, you will be, have no idea how just by reinforcing the wall itself to stop it from overexpanding and just supporting it changes it. And then make sure you do get your caudal support on the horse's foot because between those two things, if you concentrate on the hoof wall, strengthening that, and then putting pressure in the right place, you will take the worst foot and change it around. And there's absolutely no doubt about that. I mean, I've proven it at, at a very, very high level on some of the probably the best racehorses in the world. So I do believe it works very, very well. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being willing to answer all my questions. What I'm going to do is I'm going to hook you up with probably the best racehorse trainer that South Africa has ever seen. Probably won 150 uh, Group 1 races. Um, his name is Mark de Kock. Now, Mark de Kock is, is basically, you know, we worked together back 35 years ago in South Africa. And, and he, between him and his farrier Declan, they're the ones that, that pioneered racing horse or training horses barefoot. And because of them, I would say... That's where I am today is because of the influence that they gave me. Awesome. Yes, that'd be great. As you heard, Derek connected me with his friend, Mike DeCock, a trainer who is also very familiar with incorporating a barefoot protocol with resources. I am a trainer. You know, obviously, people like Declan and Derek alerted me for the benefits of barefoot training. It's not something I came up with. It's something that I've... I saw the value in after being alerted to it by firstly Declan and, and just watching, you know, him and Derek sort of grow with each other in terms of ideas. You know, one sees after years and years in the game, years and years of shoeing, years and years of running sales, where people mess with the feet to try and make legs straight, that there's something sort of inherently wrong with it. You know, certainly that was my first sort of thought, what thought pattern was when you get these young horses that have beat, you know, from the sales, when they've taken a, a leg that splays or, or whatever and try and bend the foot straight to make the leg go straight and how you battle to keep them sound and you know what we were doing was sort of just taking the shoes off and letting nature take its course but as you know sometimes some of the feet are just too far gone and the structure too damaged as young horses by, by farriers trying to do cosmetic work you know if you're trying to make legs straight at the sails make it all look good when you've got a, a knee pointing east and another one pointing west and yet the feet are straight and you can see you know listen anyone that's got a trained eye will see how farriers use the feet to try and make it look good for me at the end of the day that's almost deception really, you know i sort of cut my teeth taking older sort of broken horses from other trainers and trying to fix them and you know we just found that a lot of it started in the feet uh, you know as as one sort of rehabilitated the feet got to be stronger tougher structures more strong so much sounder the horse became and so much sounder the fetlocks started to move better the muscles and backs and everything sort of started functioning better as well so if one can train without shoes on there are massive benefits if one's prepared to give it a chance and how long have you been doing this i've been training horses since 1988 and how long have you been doing the barefoot with the training I don't know if I could actually just put a time frame on it. Let's say 15 years, maybe. And 10, overall, 15, you've yeah. been happy with the the changes that you've seen? Well, I've seen massive benefits, certainly, yes. It takes a giant leap of faith, too, with trainers. You know, sometimes we can be very narrow-minded, and one needs to be very broad-minded by this and realize that there's going to be a, a certain sort of teething period as well where, you know, maybe not everything will go right. 
or you know when the shoes come off they can get a little sore on you but but you know if you if you grit it out and keep your mind open and do the things right you'll see massive benefits uh well again thank you so much this was really awesome thank you so much cva all the best you too have a great rest of your day thank you so much you too cheers eh? bye 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 I always say that I'm slightly more hoof obsessed than the average person. And chances are, if you're listening to a hoof care podcast, you are too. So we should probably be friends. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me at thehumblehoof at gmail.com. I'd heard about Derek Poupard, farrier at, at Godolphin Racing in Dubai, as well as Newmarket UK, for quite some time. At first, I saw an article about a farrier that was training racehorses barefoot, and it caught my eye. The more I listened to some of Derek's interviews and read more into what he did, I was intrigued by his way of casting horses' feet and his work with composite shoes and 3D printing. Someone in one of my Facebook groups mentioned that she could connect us, and I couldn't miss the opportunity to talk to him about how he approaches his work with racehorses around the world.